Dish TV is better than cable TV. Why? Because you can save 45% on packages compared to your high-priced cable bill. Wow. Take those giant scissors out and cut the cable. And save with Dish TV. Plus, you get a free DVR upgrade to record your favorite shows and free installation. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch TV for free on your mobile device. Act fast. You can save hundreds of dollars. Does your cable company do that for you? Get all the best TV programming at your fingertips at a fraction of the price of cable TV. So say adios, arrivederci, goodbye to the high cable bill, and save up to 45% on Dish TV packages today. These are limited time offers and can change at any time. Call fast. 800-405-2561. 800-405-2561. 800-405-2561. That's 800-405-2561. Welcome, you're listening to Sports Econ 101, the show where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Bruce McGowan, longtime sports radio personality. Now, today, we have a guest in the studio. We do indeed. We have our good friend, John Kingdon, longtime uh, scout with the Oakland Raiders, who was with them, and the LA Raiders, was with them for, gosh, I think about three decades. So okay. he's got some great stories to tell. Yeah, and we definitely want to talk. I'd like to ask him, when he comes on in the next segment, uh, about the, the difference between the Oakland Raiders and the L.A. Raiders, you know, how it was yeah. working for both sides. Sure, then. sure. All well, right. it's the same organization. It just True. was in a different location. You know? Yeah, but yeah, I guess you still have to deal with, you know, the the fans, you know, the personnel. I mean, there, there might oh, be yeah. some changes yeah, on that. Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, let's see. At each uh, commercial break, we're going to ask a sports trivia question, and the theme is They Played Two. You'll, you'll understand when we get into the questions here. And this segment of Sports Econ 101 is sponsored by Pacific Private Money, providing mortgage investments that are currently yielding over 7.5% secured by Bay Area real estate. Actually, California real estate, because they go throughout okay. all of California. And it doesn't get any more conservative than that. Their average loan to value is less than 56%. No losses. That's the important thing. No losses. Check them out at PacificPrivateMoney.com. They actually have a new website also called PrivateMoneyLoans.com where you can just go and buy a loan mm. that's already uh, been in, in existence. That sounds and, kind of strange, though, buying a loan. Well, You're going to have to explain no, no, it to no. me that sometime. Well, I know just, that's... Well, that, well, think about it. When, sometimes when you get a loan from yeah, Wells Fargo, uh, and then two months later, U.S. Bank says, oh, oh by the way, true. we bought your loan. We bought and, your loan. That's yeah. true. I know. I, I, I'm... Sounding completely naive about this stuff, but uh, it, it, it is interesting. Buying a loan. <laughs> I, I'll educate you on it. Okay. Well, I mean, you understand about buying stocks and bonds. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's just another asset just that another produces asset. income. There, there that you produces go. Income. We have to do a show on that sometime. Don't you do a show like that? I do. I do. A, I do a business show. I'm just teasing in fact, you. I just, put, I just got two articles published uh, in a magazine. Oh. Uh, uh, one about why banks won't make conservative loans. Okay. And the other one on uh, how to buy a house when you already own a house. Ooh. That's for another show, though. All right. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. We'll be right back. This 
This is Mark Honf, co-host of Mortgage Investing 101. Did you know that you can earn, year in and year out, returns of 8% and more on your savings and retirement accounts? Mortgage-backed investment strategies such as trustee investing and mortgage pool funds can do just that. Since 2008, clients of Pacific Private Money have consistently earned high yields on their investments. Find out for yourself how you, too, can profit from these real estate-secured investments. Call 415-883-2150 or visit our website at PacificPrivateMoney.com. Two-for-one specials? Unbeatable waterfront deals? Alcatraz Cruises is inviting the Bay Area to Alcatraz Island or The Rock this season with exciting new offers. For the first time ever on select Tuesdays and Wednesdays in January and February, residents of the nine Bay Area counties can purchase two-for-one Alcatraz Island tickets. An amazing value. Now you can put friends and family behind bars for free. Discover more at AlcatrazCruises.com slash BOGO. And until the end of February, anyone can enjoy SF Winter on the Waterfront specials. Enjoy a barnable trip downtown. Then climb aboard a free motorized cable car and ride along San Francisco's historic waterfront. Let our cable car take you to attractions and restaurants for delicious meals and amazing deals. Make a night of it and stay at the city's trendiest hotel. Don't wait. Visit SFWinterOnTheWaterfront.com to plan your trip. That's SFWinterOnTheWaterfront.com. How would you like to earn over 8% per year in your investment portfolio in a conservative investment that has been considered one of the best-kept secrets in investing? At Pacific Private Money, we are actually paying over 8%. Imagine what a mutual fund of low loan-to-value mortgages would look like. Well, that is very similar to what participating in the Pacific Private Money Fund is like because we own many loans in the fund that are actually less than 60% loan-to-value. It would be extremely difficult to find an investment that yields over 8% with this much collateral. We pay you monthly. Can you imagine earning more in one month than most banks are paying in one year? Of course you have questions about how we can deliver this. So call Pacific Private Money at 415-883-2150 and we will answer all of your questions. You can also visit us at PacificMoneyFund.com. The Lodge at Tiburon is steps from the ferry docks and nestled among Tiburon's upscale boutiques, charming cafes, and unique galleries. Dine at the award-winning Tiburon Tavern, serving innovative dishes prepared with ingredients grown in our very own gardens. Starting from $199 a night, join us at the Lodge at Tiburon and create long-lasting memories. For reservations, call 1-877-614-6068. Join us at the Lodge at Tiburon or go to lodgeattiburon.com. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Edward Brown here along with Bruce McGowan. Bruce, can you introduce our guest? Yeah, we're going to talk today with John Kingdon, longtime scout with the Oakland Raiders. Just came out with a book about Al Davis, which I think uh, he wants to talk about and tell some stories about and kind of promote, which we're happy to do Absolutely. because Al Davis, I got to know him not nearly as well as John Kingdon got to know him. And let's just start off with how you ended up working with the Oakland Raiders because you started with them and I believe it was right at the... The height of really their time in Oakland, the the late mid to late nineteen seventies. I think John Madden was still around, and Al Davis was at his peak. And the Raiders had come off a Super Bowl or were about to win one of the two that they won in the in that period. Uh, what was that like, John? And how did that happen? How did you get involved with the team? Well, I'd gotten a uh, I'd gotten my degree in English from Oberlin College, and then I uh, got a master's at UMass in uh, sports management. <clears throat> Excuse me. Needed an internship uh, for the degree, and this was 1978. So that was John's last year, 
Yeah, the team was nine and seven that year, but uh, but I kind of got my foot in the door. And, uh, and back then, the organizations were so small; it might have been twenty five people in the whole organization. Uh, uh, you know, besides the players and the coaches. And so I just kind of wanted to work in personnel, and they were more than happy to get any help they could. Now mm. I think the organizations literally, literally have hundreds and hundreds of mm, people, wow. so you probably don't have as much uh, freedom to kind of pick your area. So so I got in there. Originally it was uh, Tommy Grimes and Bob Meshack. Uh, Steve Ortmeyer was doing personnel as well, and then Ron came in. Ron Wolf came in and worked with him until he had left until in 1993. Mm. Wow. Yeah, some good uh, – those who follow football, those are names that are familiar, especially to Raider fans. Raider fans are different. I mean, we talk about the Raiders being different, but the Raiders have always sort of branded, I guess is for the proper use, their, their image to sort of fit, uh, you know, one size fits all. The fans, you know, come from everywhere. Oakland has been the heart of where Raider fans really – you know, come from, but they're in L.A., they're in Arizona, they're in New York, they're all over the place. I mean, uh, when did that whole thing start? Anyway, because I remember as a kid growing up in Oak- in the Bay Area, it was Oakland only. Well, when I uh, I grew up in New York and uh, didn't like the Raiders at all. I was a big <laughs> Jet fan, Giant fan, that kind of thing. But uh, I think it's a it's an international uh, product, marketing, that uh, people, I think, really identified on two levels. One, uh, the success of the team. Mm-hmm. And two, I think people liked uh, someone like Al Davis that uh, was willing to kind of stick his thumb in the eye of authority, and people enjoyed right. that. And thirdly, there were some tremendous characters that people really found amusing and entertaining. Well, I think, and, I think a lot of it's a, just a bad boy image. You know, you got the picture of, uh, you know, a raider, so to speak, you know, the patch over the eye. And, and, you know, then you get the guys in the black hole and everyone kind of dresses up. I mean, if they were, you know, the pink elephants, it wouldn't be – I don't think – I think that would be a big part of it. You sure. know what I mean? Well, I think part of it was the AFL gave a lot more uh, – opportunity to to players that that uh that weren't getting in the national football league and just uh i think it's something al really appreciated and not just al but the whole afl gave a lot more opportunity to the uh players from the historically black colleges and mm-hmm. uh you know kansas city with willie lanier and buck buchanan yeah, yeah. And, and people like that and al you know with art shell from maryland eastern shore and willie brown from grambling who that was a trade but uh, I, I think that uh, was real opportunity, and I think Al took great pride in it. And then, secondly, I think you know you go back, uh, <clears throat> you know, a lot of football people, uh, the authority were very uh, tight, you know, yeah. not loose at all. Whereas Al uh, gave the players uh, almost total freedom to to be themselves, and I think they appreciated it, and that allowed them to kind of show their appreciation on the field. Hmm. You know, one of the things about Al Davis too, the mystique that uh, he encouraged, uh, sort of cultivated about himself uh, he, he made himself available to a certain degree but he liked to have control over the situation even though the media can't be controlled and you talk about what it was like working with Al Davis though because you get to know the man very well on a personal level and uh, you know very complex individual uh, you know in public you had to uh, really kind of watch your tongue and be very careful and, and you know, in the book, one time Bruce kind of Bruce Kebrick got really upset about a, a particular uh, draft choice we were making, and really went off on Al. And Al afterwards said to him, "Look, you can say anything you want to me one on one, but don't confront me like that in a group." I said, "I can't, I can't lose my, you can't yeah. deal with me that way." But I will listen to you one on one. I found that very true. One on one, you could really say anything to him, you know, short of really being insulting. But but uh, but yeah. that that was different. I think he was very uh, 
he understood the image game, and, and there was a little story in the book. Uh, I used to have dinner with him a great deal, and we were going to uh, <clears throat> a restaurant, I believe it's called Mateo's, uh, down in Beverly Hills. And uh, so he called ahead, and, oh, yeah, we got a table for you, and we got there, and, oh, Dean Martin's at your table, and, you know, he'll be out in a minute. And we waited about five minutes, and the guy came by and apologized, and then Al said, uh, you know, we got to go. I said, we can't, I, I can't let people see me waiting. <laughs> Which I thought I thought that was pretty cool. I liked the fact that he understood the L.A. image game. And the guy came back. Oh, please! And, and he he wasn't mad. But uh, so we went to uh, we just went to another restaurant that he was a regular at. So Ooh. so he understood the image game. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Never boring with Al Davis. And but Al Davis knew football probably as well as as any any person who worked in the industry. And he had a passion for the for the game itself. He really loved the players, didn't he? Loved the players. Uh, you know, and just. To give you another kind of a crazy extreme story, uh, we had a player named Malcolm Barnwell. I think we took him in like the seventh round for Virginia Union. He was okay. He had a lot of speed, obviously, and uh, and he was a good complimentary receiver to Cliff Branch. Uh, but he had a lot of off-field issues and, and, you know, was a decent player, but not a great player. And then so we're at training camp. And we traded him for a second-round pick to the Washington Redskins, and I was just stunned that we would get that much. So I, I we were in uh, Santa, in Oxnard, rather. So I happened to go by his uh, room to go over what was going on around the league and our team, and I said, you know, that boy, that was a great trade getting rid of Mal- getting a second-round pick from Malcolm Barnwell like that. And he starts saying, oh, Malcolm, oh, my gosh, we drafted him. He started the Super Bowl. I, I can't believe – and he starts tearing up. Al Davis. Al Davis. Yeah. And I'm like, over Malcolm Barnwell? <laughs> <laughs> but he says, you got to go. And he boot- but, I, but I really realized how much affection he had for these players. Yeah. I mean, if he felt that strongly about Malcolm – you know, Malcolm went to – you know, to fill the story, he went to Washington, and he was from back there and uh, – he had a lot of issues, and that that didn't work out very well for the Redskins. Who, who did you get for him? Do you remember? It was a sec. Uh, sec you know, I'd have to look that oh, okay. one up. But second it was, round it was, pick probably turned out to be a pretty good player. Yeah, we were pretty yeah. good on our second round picks. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, I wonder uh, why Washington did that. Well, he, you know, Malcolm. Uh, they probably didn't do enough background checking on him, and uh, yeah, he was yeah. like, he was from back there, and someone told me the story that he had a lot of issues back there when they heard Malcolm was going to be in the area. They pulled out all the paper that they had on him and uh, oh, with, with bills that he owned and s- tickets and this and that. And, oh, wow. and it just uh, – it's I, I have no idea how he's doing now. He was a nice – I believe it, he was a nice person. I don't, yeah. In fact, real quick, you know, Malcolm, he was very uh, – just a funny story because I remember okay. Chet Franklin telling me a story of Malcolm Barnwell. It really has anything to do. But he's out there and Chet was the defensive backfield coach and Malcolm gets open in practice and he drops the pass, you know, and – he says, Malcolm, boy, you got to catch those balls. And Malcolm says to Chet, Coach, some days it bees that way. <laughs> some days it bees that way. So I've actually used that expression. <laughs> yeah. It's been kind of funny. But, I, but that was Malcolm. And anyway, yeah. that, so that that kind of displays really the affection Al had for, yeah. you know, and that, you know, forgetting uh, Gene Upshaw and Art Shell and, sure. and, and, and goes on. And Just really quickly before we cut to a break, how did Al get his money? Was it real estate? Uh no he uh, now he wasn't uh, he had a pretty good background his his father I think made uh, uh, underwear I think was in a, but didn't have a lot of, a great deal of money but enough money you know and he certainly w- was doing well enough and uh, you know so he's working as the coach 
and uh, and then becomes the commissioner, you know. So, so of the AFL, of the, of the, of the AFL of prior the AFL, to the yeah. merger, and yeah. he brings it together. You know, he says, "Sign their goddamn quarterbacks." Yeah, but, <laughs> but to own uh, a team is, you know. Well, so uh, what happens is, uh, and again, there's been written a lot, and this was before I was there. But uh, he then uh, said he said to me once, "Well, I'm not going to come back <clears throat> after being a commissioner to be a coach." So he had a deal with uh, Ed McGaw, who wrote a contract uh, for him. Uh, without the other owner, Wayne Valley, knowing about it, and where Al got a percentage of the team. There you go. And was able to run the team as if he had 100%. Gotcha. Now, again, this is before me, but it was like a uh, a major uh, court case. Yeah. And, oh, and yeah. Uh, Valley lost, sold the team out, and that's where Al got his gotcha. money. Gotcha. Great story. I like that. Okay, quick commercial break here. Here's our first trivia question. Minnesota Vikings head coach Bud Grant led the uh, held the reins of the Vikings teams for 18 years. Prior to the Vikings' head coaching job, Bud played for which NFL team? Don't answer yet. When we come back, we're going to give you the answer. Don't touch that dial. Sports Econ 101 will be right back. Results may vary. Not a solicitation for legal services. If you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. They can take your property, take you to court, even put you in jail. One call to Wall and Associates and your tax problems are solved. Wall has saved clients over $150 million in the last five years. Our average client settles for about 10% of what is owed. With one call to Wall, you'll never need to talk to the IRS again. We offer free face-to-face consultations in your local area. Remember, Wall has a proven track record with a total client savings over $150 million. Call now for your free face-to-face consultation. 800-813-9940. Rebuild or replace transmission, $3,200. Anti-lock brake system, $1,000. Rebuild or replace engine, $2,400. Truth is, once your manufacturer's warranty runs out, it's all on you. Every last cent. Get protection for covered repairs with a vehicle service contract from Toco Warranty. Unlike other companies, with Toco, there's no down payment, and the monthly payments are really affordable. Not sure how long you're keeping your car? At Toco, you can pay as you go. Keep your hard-earned cash and call Toco Warranty right now at 800-222-2313 to save big money on covered auto repairs. Prices vary by vehicle, but for about the cost of a tank of gas per month, a Toco plan has your back on expensive covered car repairs. Monthly payments are very affordable. Get your free quote now. Call Toco at 800-222-2313. 2313. That's 800 2313. 800 2313. Cancellation fee may apply. Subject to eligibility. Not available in Missouri and Washington. Waiting period and deductible apply. Coverage provided and administered by Warrantech Corporation or its affiliates. Not affiliated with any manufacturer or dealership. Visit tocowarranty.com for complete terms and conditions. This family is at home, but they won't be answering the door. They know that the pounding on the door is a process server from the court waiting to hand them foreclosure documents. So instead of enjoying the home they worked so hard to afford, they sit hiding in the dark. Mom, what was that? But it doesn't have to be this way. This family can save their home, but they must act fast. Call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions at 800-274-7312. If you're being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, missed a payment on your mortgage, been a victim of a predatory loan, or are upside down on your home, it's critical that you call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions now. 800-274-7312. Allied State Foreclosure Solutions has an attorney in your area that will meet and speak with you. You can stop the foreclosure. 
foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, save your home and your credit. But you must act now. Call 800-274-7312. 800-274-7312. Not available in all states. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. One more time, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Here was our first trivia question. Minnesota Vikings head coach Bud Grant held the reins of the Vikings team for 18 seasons. Prior to the Vikings head coaching job, Bud played for which NFL team? Uh, that's a good one. I know he, I remember hearing that he did play, was kind of a Midland player with some some team maybe in the Midwest, like the, the Bears or the Packers. Well, it wasn't or, the Carolina Panthers. No, obviously not. <laughs> New York Giants, you know, I, I'm not sure. Actually, the Eagles. The Eagles, he there you go. The Eagles, okay. yeah. Another the Norm Van Brocklin type, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's funny, <laughs> we were talking off air. We're going to tell the story now because both uh, John uh, Kingdon, who's our guest, uh, and I know the story about with John Vela. Former Oakland Raider lineman. John, yeah, John very, very fine player, yeah. and I got to know him very well. In fact, I became a racquetball partner with him because he used it for uh, – Hand-eye quickness and oh, all yeah. in conditioning, but well, yeah, uh, and he takes up half the court, so that course. makes it easier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it helped him movement. <coughs> USC, anyway. USC guy, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In fact, he's got these huge hands. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, John was you know Minnesota had the uh, history of uh, Bud Grant not allowing them to wear sleeves when it's cold or gloves. Well, John, well, we you got to back up for a minute because okay, this is uh, so John Vela played mostly for the Oakland Raiders, yes. but this is towards the end of his career when he gets traded. That's right to, to the Minnesota. Vikings. So, okay, good. So, anyway, so John always wore gloves, uh, even if it was 100 degrees out. He wore gloves for his hands for whatever reason. So he told me that during the year, as it got later and later in the year, as the players would start wearing gloves, oh, I use them. And, and, and uh, Bud Grant said, hey, the only guy that can wear gloves is John Vela because he wears them in the summer. <laughs> You know, it's funny. That, that part I didn't hear. I, I heard that on when he first got there. Uh, this is again. This is John Please. telling me the story. John says. Uh, John Vallo says that when he got he gets traded to Minnesota, and it's you know it's freezing outside because this is before the. I guess they were still practicing the outside, and uh, so it's a practice. He, they're practicing, and John's putting on gloves, and the team. Um, I guess the equipment manager or whatever says, hey, uh, Bud doesn't let anybody wear gloves. Mm-hmm. And he says, I mean, it's like, you know, two degrees outside, we're practicing. He goes, I wear gloves. He goes, no, Bud won't let you wear gloves. Mm-hmm. And that's when he kind of figured, okay, this, I'm not going to stay on this team too long. Yeah. <laughs> well, I heard, <laughs> a little, I heard a little different again, yeah. where he, but he always worked. Not, it wasn't just a warm thing. It was, I mean, I would think, you know, you're yeah. well, yeah, using your hands. Yeah, because uh, yeah, you know, especially back then, you know, they would put hitting the hands and the face mask and stuff. And so, you know, you could well, easily break Well, the bottom line and, is Bud made the players play in the cold without sleeves and other things. But John was the one exception he told me because uh, yeah. that's he always wore gloves. Interesting. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I used to uh, think about – I mean, I, I loved the Vikings when I was a kid. I loved sure, the Raiders. I loved the Vikings. And I, I would think about these guys, you know, not wearing the sleeves and not being with the heaters and then, you know, hearing the commentators say, well, yeah, no, the, the coach figures it'll toughen them up and all that. And it's like – I don't think so. <laughs> I think all it does just make you cold. Well, I think cold it's more, is cold. More of a psychological thing, I think, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. They always like in football to battle, and you have to be tough and hard, and you know, be able to fight off any kind of the elements. Yeah, and, but if a guy's shivering and chattering his teeth, he ain't, ain't going to look too. Yeah. Uh, you know, real quick. You know, you remember the Green Bay Dallas game, which I think was the fiftieth anniversary of that uh, the ice bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and they didn't have. 
<coughs> excuse me, uh, gloves for receivers back then like yeah. they do now. And, and they tell the story when Bob Hayes, when it was a running play, he had his hands in his pants. And was a passing play, he had his hands outside. I mean, it was mm. just so crazy. Oh, wow. yeah. That was a, I think it was 13 above zero with a wind chill wind of chill. maybe 10 below. And Bart yeah. Starr slid across behind Jerry Kramer. Jerry Kramer was a great yeah. player, but that made his career. Yeah, it, it, it really block, did. The famous block. In fact, we had... Um, uh, Craig Morton on the show, and he was telling the story because he was on the sidelines. <laughs> he goes, for two things. One, he goes, that was the first time I ever told the coach, don't put me in because <laughs> it's too cold. <laughs> and then the other thing is one of the referees lost part of his lip because oh, back then they didn't, they didn't have the plastic yeah. whistles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you know, John, you, you were part of the – you were – in Oakland, we're talking to John Kingdon, who, by the way, uh, co-wrote a book about Al Davis, which is out called Behind the Raiders' Shield, and I think it's good a title. A good title, and it's just it's out. Uh, where can you get it, by the way? Well, we have uh, a website, uh, BehindTheShield.net, mm. and then uh, it's also on Amazon, where you can also get uh, Audible books and Kindles and the hard, okay. hardback as well. Okay. And there are some local uh, East Bay uh, uh, Costco's, but we're yeah. we're working on uh, Barnes and Noble. That's a that's a slow process, but if we can get it out there, but but it's doing pretty well. We're on our second printing already, and uh, do the you could do the local one uh, here in Corner Madera. Where they have uh, you know a book passage, mm-hmm. and they have you know people come. Oh, and you should do books. them. Yeah, yeah and that's, a great, that's a great. That's a great. Definitely look into there. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Check yeah. check out the book passage. Yeah. We're getting a lot of play now with John Gruden. Uh, oh yeah. Because we actually have two whole chapters on John, and we could have oh. written about two more if we, if we really uh, wanted to focus. There. Is that a lock now? He, is he for sure coming? Well, I, it's it's so it's as big a lot. I'm I'm not in there, but my gosh, yeah. they've they've handled it so poorly. Yeah. Uh, this whole fiasco yeah. with and it, it, getting off on the subject, but to tell the coach as he's walking into a press conference on the road, you know, you're fired after the last game of the season. After the last, yeah. That first, so first of all, you should somebody else should have announced it. Number one, number yeah. two, they got to fly back on the plane, and I understand Mark, Mark and Reggie are on the plane as well. So you couldn't wait till you got back, yeah. tell them that, and then make that announcement. So that, uh, and then now it's, it. here's the other problem for uh, the Raiders <clears throat> with John, who I think it's going to be a great hire. I'm a big, big fan of that, but you got to go through the Rooney Rule, where you you have to you know interview a minority. Well, you know if you've got some self respect and. You know that they're going to hire this guy, and they're only going to use you oh, to yeah. satisfy yeah. their rule. You know, and you know Matt, it happened to Matt Millen, mm. where it was very clear he was going to hire uh, Steve Mariucci. I remember that, and, yeah. and people just refused to interview for that after that. And he got uh, whether it was him or the team got fined two hundred thousand dollars. So wow. So yeah. yeah, the league takes that serious. So now John, well, yeah, I'm interested. No, I might consider yeah. it. So they're going through the motions that way. But the, the uh, thing that bothers me about the Raiders, though, John, and I grew up being a huge Raider fan, is this constant jumping from city to city. First, it was to L.A. Yeah. Okay, that worked out not real well, but it worked out okay for a while. The team was very good in L.A. for the first four years. Then things kind of slowly came unraveled. Then they moved back to Oakland, but you know, and they had a had a reasonable amount of success for several years. Now they're going to Las Vegas. I mean, they got one foot out the door. If you're an Oakland Raider fan, how can you support this team? Seriously. Well, I, I, the analogy I've heard is uh, your husband says, "Well, I'm I'm leaving in a year or two, but you know, keep uh, paying from keep making the house payments." And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
It's, uh, it's not, and they're very fortunate. Like yeah. Last year that they were very successful. Yeah. Now this year, you know, it would have. I think there would have been a real uh, blowback to this season. But I think again, you bring John Gruden in, it's just going to re-inspire it's, people to keep. I, I really him. felt for Derek Carr with losing the uh, the fumble. At, oh, know, at the, the end, at trying the to end, stretch yeah. for that stretch for that touchdown. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of like what happened to the Forty ers <laughs> The Forty ers were at the bottom of the barrel. Then they bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, and yeah. all his all his uh, you know sweetness and light. Kind of maybe what's going to happen with John Gruden coming yeah. aboard. I mean, you worked with John Gruden for four years. Well, you know, he was a young guy, 35, 36 years old. This was his first head coaching job. He'd been an assistant, but not a prominent one in Philadelphia. What, what was, uh, tell us some little stories about John Gruden. Sure. You know, John, like you said, he came in and he looks like a kid, yeah. you know, but he was so charismatic. I mean, you could see it right from the start. So, you know, we had had four pretty bad years and the, the sort of the tail was wagging the dog. It was very uh, undisciplined kind of, kind of place with the players. <clears throat> so, so John comes out his first practice and he doesn't let anything go by. I mean, we jump and he's yelling. Guy drops a pass and he's yelling. I mean, you could see something's new. So I, he's walking up the stairs to his office and I'm following him. I said, uh, and I, you know, had been introduced and talked a little bit, didn't know him that well. I said, uh, you know, coach, that was a great practice. And he goes, John. I'm going to make these players hate my freaking guts. <laughs> <laughs> but they loved him. They ended up loved loving him. They loved well, him. Well, here's the, here's the other story that I truly love. It's in the book. where So, again, the players didn't quite appreciate what John was. So we had, had signed a free agent, Larry Brown. Uh, gave him an enormous amount of money, a DB from the Cowboys. Had caught two interceptions. And he'd been terrible. And this was, this was really Al's pick uh, to sign this guy. And uh, – so after one of the practice, he walked into John's office and said, Coach, I don't like the way I've been treated around here. This is how I'm going to practice. This is how I'm going to play. This is how it's going to be done. You got that? <laughs> and he said, yeah, yeah, I got it. And he called Mark Ortega. He says, Mark, uh, come here. Uh, uh, do me a favor. Buy this guy a ticket and send him home right now. Yeah. Wow. Well, he was number 24. That afternoon, uh, we had drafted uh, Charles Woodson. Oh. who was 24, but it wasn't wearing 24. He walks out on the practice wearing number 24, and everyone's looking yeah. around, and <laughs> there's a new sheriff yeah. in town. And I think that really uh, went far in establishing, wow. you know, that uh, you know. How, how much long did Gruden last? Because he ended up taking Tampa Bay. Well, it was four years, and okay. again, you know, it was insane. I mean, you, you I say if Al, if, you know, Al made mistakes, and I'd, I'd say the trading John Gruden – if that wasn't the worst mistake he ever made, it certainly ranks in the top two. I mean, because we, yeah. we had everything in place. And, you know, when John got there, uh, you know, he told me a couple of years later, you know, it was hard to get coaches to come here and hard to get players yeah. because there was such a constant turnover. Yeah. And, you know, in about his you know, third year, people were lining up to come here with Jerry Rice and, yeah. you know, people like that. And coaches were trying to come here. And, you know, we had a nice uh, carryover that one year with Bill Callahan, uh, mm-hmm. you know, running the team to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was a very, very frustrating Super Bowl for us Raider fans, though. Well, that's because John Gruden, John Gruden was coaching the other <laughs> and team, he and knew, he knew, knew exactly, exactly yeah. what how to how to defend them. Yeah. All right, we're going to cut to our second commercial break again. Our trivia theme is they played two. Ray Perkins had had the helm of the Giants and Buccaneers until he retired in 1990. 
He played wide receiver for which team? Oh, I got that you one. You got that one? Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we want John to probably that. has that one, too. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we had to ask one easy I'll question, let, I'll right? let John answer it, but I know that one. Yeah, because okay. I actually covered uh, a team that Ray Perkins coached. Well, that's not fair. Yeah. Okay. But that's he, all right. Yeah. Email Edward at SportsEcon 101 the answer to that question. Don't touch that dial. We're going to be right back. There's a lot of excitement happening on the San Francisco waterfront, including Alcatraz Cruises' buy one, get one free ticket promotion. Experience the beauty, history, and infamy of Alcatraz Island on San Francisco Bay with this special buy one, get one free offer available on select dates through February 7th. Additionally, Alcatraz Cruises has partnered up with several other waterfront amusements with special offers and discounts. Check out sfwinteronthewaterfront.com to secure coupons and instructions, or visit alcatrazcruises.com for tickets to the rock. Hi, Sports Econ 101 listeners. I'm Edward Brown. You know me as the host of the show, but you may not know that I work with individuals getting them the least expensive term life insurance policies around. Don't be fooled by the ads you hear on TV and radio. It's always best to work with someone who's completely independent. That's where I come in. If you email me at edward at sportsecon101.com your name, your age, and how much insurance you want, I'll run the numbers through my software program and let you know the least expensive policy around from among many of the top insurance companies. Again, I'm totally independent. So email edward at sportsecon101.com for your free life insurance quote today. Why pay more for life insurance than you need to? I can get you a guaranteed policy where the low premiums are fixed anywhere from 10 to 35 years. So email edward at sportsecon101.com right now for your free life insurance quote. That's edward at sportsecon101.com. Pooldog.com is the best place to buy billiard supplies online. In addition to having the guaranteed lowest prices and the largest selection of pool cues and accessories in the industry, Pooldog also provides unsurpassed customer service with free shipping on orders over $99 including to APOs, and a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. And be sure to use the code SPORTS at checkout for a 5% discount on your order. Give them a call at 866-843-3249 and sign up for a free catalog or go to pooldog.com. That's pooldog.com. Anchor.fm is a great new platform that has some of the coolest audio on the planet. You'll find Rick Tittle's Comedy Spotlight and his interviews with all of today's biggest comedians, plus the best in politics, music, and more. Anchor has it all. And if you want to get in on the action, you can start your own station and be the DJ you've always dreamed of. If you're looking to launch a podcast, Anchor is the easiest way to begin. And with so many ways to interact with your listeners, you'll be destined for greatness. So check out the Comedy Spotlight and more at Anchor.fm. Hey guys, Scott Turner's the old G3 Sportsman here to tell you how proud we are here at G3 Boats to be the official boat sponsor of Outdoor Guys Radio Show. Ken will be highlighting and talking to our G3 certified guys for the best fishing tips and where they're biting across the country. We also want you to be aware of our military appreciation $1,000 discount 
off all our package G3 boats in addition to any of the boat show rebates. Check us out at G3Boats.com and come join the G3 Live. Well, welcome back to Sport Econ 101. Edward Brown here along with Bruce McGowan. Second trivia question. Ray Perkins had the helm of the Giants and Buccaneers until he retired in 1990. He played wide receiver for which team? Well, I could say the University of Alabama, <laughs> which he was a very fine player. For, for Paul Bear Bryant. Uh, but uh, I, I remember I was in high school, and uh, and uh, Ray Perkins made a big, big catch for the Baltimore Colts against the Raiders to clinch a victory. Yeah. Very good. AFC title game, uh, 1970, from Johnny Unitas. And then he later coached with the New York Giants. And when I was working in New York, uh, covered a bunch of their games. And uh, he was kind of an old school guy, deep south yeah, pretty good. And you have a little Ray a Perkins story, story about yeah. Ray Perkins, yeah, sure. right? Well, it's actually two stories. One is when Tom Flores got the head coaching job after Madden left, the only coach that Al had interviewed was Ray Perkins. And, and it was a funny story because Al really liked Ray a lot. Uh, and uh, so I was uh, supposed to take Ray to the airport, and it was like an 8 o'clock flight. So about 6 o'clock, Al's talking. And I said, you know, the flight's at 8 o'clock. Okay, okay. And I went by, you know, 7 o'clock. You know, the flight's at 8 o'clock. Now it's 7.30. I said, boy, we, we better leave if we want to catch this flight. Now it's 8.05, and they come out. And uh, Ray says, all right, uh, can I catch my Well, I'm afraid the flight left. And Al starts yelling at me. Blah, 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 blah. I said, what the heck? Anyway, Steve Ortmeyer was there, and he said, hey, Al didn't want Ray to leave that night. So, it wasn't, <laughs> but, but, but anyway, so Ray eventually came back, was the offensive coordinator That's with right. us yeah. under uh, uh, Joe Bugle. That's right. So when John came in, he had the option to keep coaches or to fire coaches, and the first coach he fired was Ray Perkins. <laughs> and, and Al, one time I was with Al, and he was selling, he says, and he started laughing about uh, John firing uh, Ray Perkins. I uh, said, so what's, what's so funny about it is because John's father, Jim Gruden, was a coach, and Ray had fired John's father oh, one time. Wow. So John never forgot it, and, oh. and that's how he had fired Ray Perkins for that. Interesting. Yeah. You know, we talk about Al Davis being a pioneer, and, and, and we talked about the moves, you know, the Raiders to Oakland and then back to, to, to Los Angeles, I should say, and then back to Oakland and now to Las Vegas. But the thing that a lot of people maybe don't know about, and it's been talked about, is that Al was a pioneer in terms of getting these players back in the 60s when they were still in the AFL, when the AFL was fighting for survival and trying to get into the NFL as a you know an, an equal partner, uh, young players from these small obscure colleges, especially the African American players like Art Shell and Willie Brown and you know Gene Upshaw. I mean that was sort of unique uh, to say the least because owners weren't exactly the most enlightened people in the 1960s in pro football. Well, you know, Ray, Ray Chester. I should not have forgotten yeah. Ray. And there were two factors that uh, were unique for Ray that was. Typical of Al. One, this, this is a tight end who was with the Raiders for a number of years and played. actually had two stints with your team, early 1970s, Absolutely. and then came back and was a part of the 1980s. And successful both times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he was from Morgan State. Morgan State. Know. But uh, the other factor about Ray, he was a wingback in college, and Al made him a tight end. And, and we talk about, we have a chapter about that, uh, I think we call it the experiments, where Al had great success moving people to different positions. Uh, Derek Ramsey was a quarterback at Kentucky, was a very fine tight end. Todd Christensen was a fullback, oh, yeah. uh, drafted in the second round by the Cowboys, became a great tight end. Ethan kinda, Horton. Kind of tall for a fullback, wasn't he? About 6'3", yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you remember uh, Todd, you... Todd Zilla was his nickname Todd coming Zilla? out. Todd Zilla? Todd Zilla, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of a wing back that kind of goes back in time. What, yeah. um, I'm trying to think of where that. Where, 
It's sort of a r- running back. It's a little bit of a, a hybrid position, sort of, but more of a running back right, kind okay. of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other one was Ethan Horton, mm. uh, who was, a, a, again, a, a first-round pick running back from Kansas City who became a Pro Bowl tight end. We even talk about Sammy Seal, if you remember, was a receiver. Mm-hmm. We made a, a pretty good cornerback out of. So uh, so I love doing stuff like that and got great uh, satisfaction from uh, – uh, position changes, but he also realized that there there was a whole goldmine of, of players out there who were, weren't going to get chances probably in the uh, in the established NFL and the AFL provided that opportunity back in the 70s. absolutely or sixties uh, I should say no, you know and, you know Al growing up in Brooklyn you know we talk about you know, he was a big Brooklyn Dodger fan and there were two factors from the Dodgers he loved speed and the Dodgers with Jackie Robinson and Pee Wee Reese a very fast team and I think that's where he got the love of speed and then secondly obviously with Branch Rickey I think Al really had, had great. Uh, uh, respect, and he loved the fact that he was sort of a, a leader in that regard, mm. you know, with Art Shell, and, uh, you know, later on as the first uh, African-American head coach, and then, again, Al with the uh, uh, bringing in the players from uh, the African-American uh, schools, and then thirdly, I think the story he, he truly loved was when he was the commissioner, and they were doing the All-Star game for the AFL in New Orleans, and uh, uh, Clem Daniels tells the story that he was there. They couldn't get cabs, the, the black players. They couldn't be. They weren't being served in restaurants, and they were just going to walk out entirely. And you know, and maybe someone else. Oh no, let's ignore it. Out picked up the game, moved it to Houston. And, uh, you know, to heck with New Orleans, that kind of thing. So, wow. So but I they got the, better treatment in Houston? Well, ironically, I'm sure he got it taken care of ahead of time. But, uh, <laughs> again, you're right about that. Yeah. But, uh, but I think the players truly uh, respected mm. how much respect Al had for them and their situation. Yeah, it's just, you know, thinking about the racial thing, my, uh, my mother-in-law <clears throat> was a big-time ballerina in New York. And uh, there was one... Uh, ballerina who was very very light skinned black. I mean, it, you, you almost couldn't tell. And uh, when she, they had to dance in in the South, I mean, they basically, you know, the I'm sorry, we're not going to let this lady in the hotel type of thing. And it's yeah. like, I mean, this lady and this lady was a star. And it's like, you know, I just can't, I can't believe well, people sometimes. Different world. That's why they say. I mean, even today, there's some crazy things going on. And uh, you know, you talk about crazy. Let's get back into to the Raiders. When you moved to to L.A., you'd only been with the organization a couple of years. There was the move was, it was already starting in 1980 when you won the championship, and they didn't actually move until '82. But that was a strange year because the Raiders were a wild card team. Ran the table, won all four games, including the Super Bowl, with Jim Plunkett, who wasn't supposed to be the quarterback, starting your season. And then at the same time, this this possible move to L.A., it really alienated a lot of fans. What kind of a year was 1980? Uh, you know, it was one of those situations where uh, everything broke right, you know, and yeah. not to make a pun, but, uh, <laughs> you know... Uh, the quarterback Plunkett replaced. I'm just. Uh, oh, you're talking about Dan Pastorino. Dan Pastorino oh, breaks right. his leg, and oh, you know, yeah, that's right. You yeah. know, and Jimmy steps in, and it was just, you know, the coach quarterback combination is just so important with Gruden and Gannon, uh, Belichick and Brady, Brady that yeah. kind of thing, and it just was a, a perfect uh, match. The two of you know Tom and and Jimmy, and you know, it was a great story. Al had signed. Uh, Jim Plunkett, who you know, the number one pick in the whole draft, but he had been beaten down yeah. physically and emotionally. Well, he played for the Patriots, who were terrible back in the yeah. 1970, 71. Yeah. Although his yeah. first game as a quarterback, he beat the Raiders in That's an opening right. game, which is crazy. <laughs> but Al basically said, "Look, just uh, just heal up." 
you know, I want this guy to heal up physically and emotionally. And he was ready to go. So that, that was uh, – so it just went – you know, and then that year we had made some great draft picks. Matt Millen stepped in as a, a middle linebacker. Oh, yeah. We truly needed that. That was a big fill. Uh, Bobby Chandler was a great trade. Uh, Otis McKinney we got. Mm. Kenny King. So, I mean, everything, uh, you know, that's what's one of the And Lester Hayes turned into what a, a, an all-pro. Yeah. He'd been with your club for three or four years. All of a sudden, he was the leading, leading interceptor. An in amazing the, year with yeah. all the stick-em and all. Fred Boletnikoff has something to do with well, that, huh? You know, when they <clears> – <throat> the league wanted to get rid of stick-em because yeah. it really was a terrible thing. And, yeah. and, and to be honest, the Raiders did not want stick-em. It was a big pain in the neck to yeah. clean the stuff off and yeah, this sure. and that. So there was a, a vote of 31 to 1 to get rid of stick-em. But uh, I was told if it was a if we were the deciding vote, we would have voted to outlaw it as well. But you know, the thing that Al, you're talking about switching cities and how difficult it was. I don't know if you remember, but in 1982, the team played in Los Angeles, but the the the, the players and the coaches stayed up in Oakland. And in fact, the only other people that stayed up was. Uh, was was myself and Ron Wolf, and you practiced up there. Practiced I, up there. I remember and I flew came, down. I flew down with you guys a bunch of times, and it was weird. It was they they played at the Coliseum, but they practiced at Oakland, so they were still living in Oakland, but playing in L.A. that first year, and that was the strike year too. That's, so yeah. you, that's right. God, yeah. we were. It was that was Marcus's first year. Yeah, I mean, Marcus we were, Allen. Yeah. Gosh, it was yeah. it was just a wonderful team, and then we lost. Uh, I think it was Sammy Seal made two big fumbles and a against the Jets the, against the Jets yeah, and yeah. the. Uh, no, actually, that was against. I, I'm sorry. You know what? He fumbled twice in '85 against New England. Okay. Uh, Jimmy had a couple of interceptions that really hurt us. And in fact, Lance Mel of the Lance Jets, Mel, yeah, picked you. them both off. Yeah. And then we were marching down the field, and he hit Marcus to get down in the position to win the game. And Mickey Marvin, who recently passed away of ALS, uh, had a big hole. He grabbed the guy's face mask, falling back, and Ooh. so that cost us the game and all. But uh, but then coming back uh, from Oakland, from LA to Oakland, we did the same thing. Practiced down there, flew up there. So I think the tradition, transition, transition was a little bit easier for the players that way. I mean, fortunately, it's only an hour flight. You yeah. know, can you imagine? If you're, I mean, that's what I don't understand is how these guys can, uh, you know, fly cross country. I mean, football, you know, it's a little bit easier because you don't have to play every day. But you know, be it baseball or, or basketball, sometimes these flights oh. are just ridiculous. Well, the thing is, if you've flown with any sports team, I think football because it is once a week. It's it's almost like packing up a. A little uh, company of people. I mean, you're about a hundred and what? About hundred and thirty in the traveling party. It's a lot. Yeah, we have yeah. probably more. You know, with sponsors. Yeah. You know, besides the players and the coaches and the trainers and and the equipment people. You, you know, you have sponsors and you know trade out people that that kind of thing. But and I think, Al, Al had his buddies too. He liked to bring along. Oh, there absolutely. Was that, that, the uh, the Albos, Doctor Mrs. Yeah. Albo, Jim Jim Otto and his wife. Oh, and, yeah. People, uh, Sam, Sam, and Ellen Berkovich. Oh boy, so Sam they, was such a sweetheart. Oh, lovely man. Yeah. And, you know, they've all outside of the autos. Yeah. You know, they've all passed away. How is Jim Otto doing, by the way? Now, Jim Otto, for those out there listening and wondering who Jim Otto was, he he played with the Raiders and started at center. I don't think he missed a snap in 15 years, yeah. and was an All Pro and an, the Raiders' first Hall of Famer. But he's he's closing in on 80 now, and he's had. Just so many operations. Well, he, lost, he lost one of his legs. One of his legs. Yeah. That was a number of years ago, yeah. too. Yeah, no, I'm not around there, but someone told me he is wheelchair-bound. Yeah. Now. But, you know, you know, one of the great uh, inventions, I guess, medically, was uh, arthroscopic surgery. Mm. Now, I had cartilage taken out of my knee in 72, 
Huh. And that was major surgery. They cut yeah. your knee open. Oh, they're yeah. pulling things apart. And that was a, it was a big rehab. Now uh, you scope and you walk out of the hospital, so there's not as much uh, yeah. a trauma, at least on the cartilage stuff. Ooh. And, you know, so Jimmy, you know, it's terrible yeah. what he went through. But, I mean, well, t- that's the price you pay when you play 15 years. And you think about that 15 years in the pros, four years college, four years high school. That's 23 years of, of, of constant hitting. Ray Webster, his contemporary with Pittsburgh, was the first guy who was diagnosed with the CTE after he died. It's amazing that uh, Jim Otto must have just yeah. had a hard head because the yeah. last time I spoke to Jim was a couple of years ago, and he sounded like he had all his mental yeah. faculties. Well, and he I said think. he wouldn't change a thing. No, no, no I agree with that. Yeah. that. Actually, Mike Webster. Mike, Mike, I'm Webster. sorry, yeah. Mike Webster. Yeah. Yeah. I heard these stories. Yeah. It was some weird story where you know, he'd get all these – is, you know, it's tough with his hands, and he get these. He would pour uh, super glue on these cuts. Uh, you know, Mike Webster did. Just find some way to yeah. you know keep playing. It was, was kind of crazy looking back. Yeah, I used to uh, when I, when I was uh, big into bowling, uh, and I I cut my thumb open. Um, there, I, for some reason, I didn't have the. Uh, uh, thumb patch type thing, right, with the yeah. super glue type of stuff, and so uh, I thought I, I I used whiteout, <laughs> but you know, for, and then uh, and I happened to work at the same time for some scientific company, and I go, hey, is, is this going to hurt me at all? He goes, you realize that's cancerous, don't you? <laughs> I quickly run to the bathroom, oh, wash it off. <laughs> You're putting chemicals on an open wound. Not yeah, a good, that's not, not very smart, huh? Not a good thing to do. I was only nineteen. What did uh, I know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My we brain, did, my brain hadn't yeah. formed yet. You know. I sometimes think I'm still nineteen. <laughs> what do they say? It's when you're twenty-five. That's when the the final formation of your. You I know. hope so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, my my uh, my kid's almost twenty-six. Oh, so there you go. He's, he's got a he's got all his faculties. There okay, go. we're going to cut to our last commercial break here. Jack Del Rio, we all know him, right? Now, it says here he began his coaching career with Jacksonville Jaguars in 2003. In 2006, he took the Jaguars to an 8-8 eight and eight record. Jack played linebacker before his head coaching duties with the Saints, Chiefs, Cowboys, and which other team that he won his only Pro Bowl selection? So I don't know why they don't mention that he also played for, that he also coached for the Raiders. Maybe this is an older question. But that do you understand the question now? Yeah. Okay. So, so the uh, one the, we're trying to figure out the one team that he played for that uh, he didn't list. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And, and his head coaching duties. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, don't touch that dial. We're going to be right back. Are you an inventor who would like to try to have an invention or idea patented and submitted to companies? But you don't know what to do next? Call for free information from InventHelp. InventHelp, a leading inventor service company, has been helping inventors since 1984 and has sales offices located in more than 60 cities nationwide. You'll want to talk to the company that has helped secure more than 7,000 invention patents. So call InventHelp. Even if you have an idea for improving an existing product and don't know where to go with it, you'll still want to call InventHelp for free information. You'll find out how InventHelp may assist you in trying to patent your invention and submit it to companies. So call now. Call InventHelp at 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. Get your free information by dialing 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. 1-800-316-1738. 
Are you a business owner or an individual who owes the IRS? Then be prepared to write down an important phone number. Do you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes? Do you need to file back tax returns? Are you dealing with bank levies and wage garnishments? It's time to deal with your IRS problem today. Call Certified Tax Tax Representation now. Certified Tax Tax Representation, Inc. represents clients just like you in all 50 states. They will contact the IRS on your behalf the same day that you become a client, and you can become a client immediately. It's time for you to face your IRS problems. Think about how great you're going to feel when you're represented by a company who's an advocate for you, who knows the law, who also will contact the IRS the same day you become a client. Call today for your free, no obligation consultation. Call now, 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Not all cases are typical and some may not qualify. The consultation is free and so is the call, so call right now. 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. When you struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. You only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have $5,000, $10,000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063, 800-957-6063, 800-957-6063, Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan and our special guest, John Kingman. Uh, third trivia question, Jack Del Rio began his coaching career with the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2003. In 2006, he took them to an 8-8 eight eight record. Now, Jack played linebacker before his head coaching duties with the Saints, Chiefs, Cowboys, and which other team that he won his only Pro Bowl selection? I know the answer to that. It was the Minnesota Vikings. It was. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, two out of three, not bad. I like Jack Del Rio. Jack Del Rio wasn't perfect, and he certainly uh, wasn't a great coach, but he brought the Raiders back to respectability. And, and John yeah. Kingdon, our guest here, put it best. I think he deserved better than what he got at the end of the season. That was handled very sloppily, the way they fired him. In fact, the only one that came out Looking good was Jack Del Rio, who in his press mm. conference after the game, I think, was, was truly professional. Now, the fact that he has three more years under contract, maybe that calms him down a little bit. How much does he make? Uh, I think Help. it's $5 million a year. Yeah, something like I think that. he'll be fine. I think that, you know, coaching, John Gruden knows that, and John Madden said this the other day, he says, when you get into coaching, he says, I, I was a coach for 10 years. He says, I worked 100 times harder than I ever worked as a broadcaster. So Gruden, even though I know he'd love to come back and coach and probably will as we speak, who knows, he may have already been named the head coach, um, he knows what he's in for, don't you think? Yeah, with his eyes open. There was an interesting article, I think, Dick Vermeule, I don't know if you saw that, came out and said, you know what, this guy's a great coach. He's got to get back into coaching. Good. I think he's uh, really got to sort of scratch that itch and – and whether that's what finally turned it for John, uh, whether or not, but uh, I think it's uh, everyone's welcoming him back with open arms. Very good, John Kingdon. Thanks again for being our guest. And the name of the Econ. yeah, the name yeah, of the yeah. book is uh, Behind the Raider Shield: uh, Untold Stories from Longtime Al Davis Confidence, and it's available uh, again. Website uh, website the behindtheshield.net, and it's on Amazon. 
Technically, it's actually Al Davis behind the lady shoe. Okay. Yes. I hope and you guys he, enjoy the book. And, and he would appreciate that, by the way. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah that was Brad Manchin who, uh, who made the cover photo. It's a great shot. Yeah. All right. Here's our thought for the day. Surrender to what is. Let go of what was. Have faith in what will be. Said Sonia Ricardo. And sometimes you win, and sometimes you learn. I like that one, too. All right, tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. We're going to be discussing sports topics from a business perspective and asking more sports trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm Edward Brown, your host. We'll see you next week. Good night, America. So long. <laughs>